welcome to yet another awesome episode of Splash Pages, the comic book club. This week, we are finishing our coverage of Inferno. So we're going to be talking about X-Factor issues 37, 38, and 39, along with Uncanny X-Men issues 242 and 243. This is completing the Inferno storyline. And if you don't want to miss what we're going to be talking about next or the discussion, make sure you join our comic book club. We're having a lot of fun over there over on Facebook. Link is in the show notes, but we're sharing about our pickups every week. Uh, You know, new storylines we're reading. It's a lot of fun. And uh, you know what? This show was a blast and it's coming at you right now. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! to Splash Pages, the comic book club, your weekly dive into your favorite graphic novels and comic books. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. It is Tuesday, we are live, and this is another episode of Splash Pages, the comic book club. We have an awesome show scheduled for you today. We are finishing our Inferno storyline, and uh, along with uh, Chris's Spectacular Spider-Man, the Sal Basima podcast, uh, we'll be knocking out the rest of everything. But as always, speaking of Chris, we have Chris here. Hey. Hello, hello. Drew. Hey. <laughs> Okay, so uh, tonight we're discussing X-Factor issues 37, 38, and 39, uh, along with Uncanny X-Men issues 242 and 243. This is completing the Inferno storyline. So, published in 1989, written by Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson. Art was by Mark Silvestri and Walter Simonson. Editor was Bob uh, Harris. Editor-in-chief, Tom DeFalco. And the cover price for these books were between a dollar and a dollar fifty. So, here's the scary stuff. Channeling my inner Sophia. Picture it, Sicily, 1989. George Bush, he's still president. Uh, the Oakland A's destroyed the San Francisco Giants in the World Series. Uh, virtual reality is born, along with the first World Wide Web server and a web browser. Uh, some of the top movies: Weekend at Bernie's, Uncle Buck, Batman. And we were asked to be excellent to each other with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We stayed home and said, Norm, while we watched Cheers. Also caught the Golden Girls, Who's the Boss, Coach, Growing Pains, Night Court, and Murphy Brown. (sighs) Gas costs about 97 cents a gallon. The average movie ticket was $3.99. 
And uh, I said this earlier, we said hello to virtual reality and the World Wide Web, and we said goodbye to the Berlin Wall. Crazy. So X-Men is an X-Teams event that impacted every other comic whose hero was in or around New York City. There are two separate primary storylines. We just covered the, the X-Men one, uh, which uh, factored a struggle against uh, Nastier and Madeline Pryor to regain Nathan Christopher Summers. Inferno is the first X-Book storyline to truly be a crossover in that the story actually continued from one title to another from month to month, X-Men and X-Factor. And I know I'm going to get this name wrong. Sinister and Nasir independently manipulate Madeline Pryor, both for their own ends. Madeline makes a deal with Nasir to get her son back from Sinister and becomes the Goblin Queen. The transformation combined the Sinister's revelations about her origins and the events in her life, notably her abandonment by Scott Summers, all contrived to force her, uh, her further into Nasir's arms as she vows to sacrifice her, her own son for the demon's plan. The X-Men and the X-Factor clash over Madeline, X-Factor mostly concerned for the child, and the X-Men mostly concerned about Madeline, whom they see as uh, has wronged Scott. Into the confusion, Sinister throws the marauders. Everything comes to a head when Jean Grey fights and defeats Madeline Pryor, rescuing Nathan, and at the end, combined teams fight Sinister, and the mansion is destroyed. This was dark and this was crazy. Uh, what are your thoughts, Drew? Well, thank you, Leo. As always, I'd like to point out that every time you do that summary, I am convinced that the future ain't worth shit. <laughs> um, my thought being was uh, that the second half, in my mind, was completely better than the first because now that we got the ball rolling, this was just fucking nuts. I'm just making sure we get that mature 18 rating kids. Oh, totally. Um, no, it was, it was, it was awesome. And you had a star amount of talent and you know, you concluded this story best because for me, what made this story particularly real was, yeah. I mean, you had limbo and hell and all that stuff, but a lot of this was, was the pain. It was an identity crisis. You know, it was Madeline Pryor saying, I'm a clone. I've been lied to. I've been rejected for the original. Screw this. I'm going to burn the world down just to prove my, my point. So this is probably the biggest existential crisis we've seen. Like this is before, you know, people could punch holes in reality over at DC. So this was, this was huge. And like I, I just finished reading it like 20 minutes ago, so I'm still reeling. Um, yeah, I have no other words, Chris. I mean, up with issue 37, you have like still, if you have the trade paperback for this thing, um, issue 37 of X Factor, there's still so much to cover. I mean, it's just a nonstop one fight after another with Madeline Pryor and the demon Nastasha. And then it, you know, cultivates with the giant battle with uh, Mr. Sinister and the Marauders as well, because he's, you know, kind of like the somewhat of the mastermind behind her, but not really Inferno. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the whole reason that Madeline Pryor is ever even a thing, which is what Sinister is, why Sinister is involved in this, is because he had no idea where Jean Grey was, but he knew from something, probably one of the future psychic mutants or uh, Destiny because Mystique was banging Destiny at the time, uh, that the son of Cyclops and Jean Grey would be the most powerful mutant on the planet that he wanted under his mm -hmm. control. 
But he couldn't have that if G. Gray was dead, so he ended up cloning G. Gray, which we found out previously. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, how Madeline Pryor got involved with the demon is like very mucky. It doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, but she gets convinced that she needs to sacrifice her son, uh, you know, future Cable, in order to appease this demon. Now, in a, uh, if have you, did you guys ever read the What If? Uh, no. So in, and we'll get to it more in the spectacular stuff later on. But and it's mentioned several mm -hmm. times here with demons. Demons were eating people in this X Men book, and in the uh, What If, you really get to see how badly the. Uh, demonic possession affects everybody i mean the x-men look pretty ragged and kind of demonic if you look at like wolverine's mask it's slowly becoming part of his like actual face yeah i did notice that i i, I just wasn't sure if that was stylistic but yeah now that i'm looking at it you're right it, it literally looks like it's becoming a part of him versus you know getting ripped off of him and the only other person that could possibly stop madeline Pryor is been turned into a mannequin like mannequin the movie in a display case at an apartment yeah. store over an excalibur uh which they don't stick into this trade and we didn't cover but um not right. uh, uh i think it's either sim or Na not, you know the demon naasha uh transformed uh rachel um rachel gray into a living mannequin wow because she's the only Ooh. person alive with charles xavier trapped in space with uh, a head injury and jean gray supposedly mm. dead um and unknown right. nobody known that know that she was alive and well running around with x-factor at this point for the last couple of years uh because she was an x-factor was kind of like a government agency pretending to round up mutants for uh you know the camps but they were actually putting mutants into um relocation programs to help them hide them um Rachel Summers was the only mutant on the planet that could possibly stop Inferno. Oh, now we know. Yeah, also everyone's asked, always asked, where the hell is Doctor Strange this time? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, same place he was during uh, Spider-Man uh, or um, WandaVision? No, uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows where he was during WandaVision. I'm sure that will be explained in Strange's movie, but the yeah. what if actually explains where Strange is. I remember he got into an injury and he only has one eye right now. Um because he's the one who, in the what if, ends up freeing Rachel from the department store mannequin. Uh, okay. But, you know, I, I felt like everything was really kind of wrapped up well. Although, I feel like it, it, certain things in it were very much, like, if you weren't reading the other books, you couldn't just not, like... I, I had no idea how the demon suddenly got the transmode virus... Like, that was weird. Like, it's just suddenly, it's like, oh, I have this thing. And I'm like, okay, clearly you do. I don't think it makes you any less demonic. Um, although, I, what I do enjoy about demons is the same thing that, the same thing I noticed with certain ones, although that image is great. I, I don't know why, but the city, the buildings with little smiles, that's just some creepy shit right there. Yeah, it is. Um, demons love to gloat. Or maybe comic book demons just love to gloat and you know what happens when a demon's laughs when you're making a deal with it um you know and it also just notice it just can't be an x-men book without some nice butt shots especially right from Adam fire <laughs> oh yeah no but i mean you have underboobs. you have madeline Pryor holding you know in her bdsm scantily clad pornographic looking costume holding a chained up around her neck jean gray who she is a clone of and that says all sorts of Pornhub stepsister kind of stuff to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I mean, also oh, what I Christ. just enjoy, like the costumes just kept like, like if you look at Storm right there, I was like, yo, you are like one costume change short from being like Tina Turner in in um, Mad, Mad Max, Max Three, yeah. the Thunderdome. You know, it's it. Like I noticed that I was like, what is going on with the costumes here? And then especially that you know, uh, Havoc, which this is like gotta be the weirdest case of Eskimo bros I've ever seen. Um, Havoc and Cyclops over Madeline Pryor. Just then suddenly it's like she goes for a ride with him and then suddenly I want you to be my Goblin King. And she just does the same thing to him. It's just, I have done your costume. I've given you more open chest and some showing off of the legs there but everything else is fine you know so i it's just the weirdest eye candy ever um, the uh, the 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 inclusion in sinister in this just for like it, the ending to this entire story makes it feel like the lord of the rings ending where there's just like okay they defeat the battle of madeline prior and then they still have to defeat sinister and then they have to also still defeat like sinister and the marauders and polaris is also bad and then there's another ending and cyclops and, and hobbit need to kiss and make up and it's, and then it's Sabretooth like, just pops up out of nowhere. And by the way the worst part of all is is like gene still is with cyclops after he admits that he only banged madeline prior because as he puts it uh, I married her because she looked and felt and smelled like you. Thanks, God. Which... <laughs> Knowing you two have a child together, I already know what you two did. And I'm a psychic, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just one of those really weird things that it's just, no matter how much you want to be like, oh, well, it's comic books and that stuff, it still just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it also doesn't put Scott in such the best way. I mean, it was already a complicated situation because, again, the woman he loved was thought to be dead because of the the whole Phoenix, Dark Phoenix thing. And then he meets someone, he finds love again. And not only does he find out that, you know, his love is back, but that the woman he married, the woman that he had a child with, is her clone. So it's kind of like not cheating. It's kind right. of like what happens in porn, I guess, when you sleep with twins. So I, I like, but I, I it's just one of those where I was like, guys, where where was the end game here? You know, comics are always about oh, we're 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 building towards something. I was like, were you just picking on story elements out of a hat? Is it even worse that on the island of Krakoa right now, um, like Madeline basically sleeps like right down the hall from where he sleeps with Gene? Pretty much. So mm -hmm. what? What? Yeah, it's just. It's one of those where you, especially with Krakoa, that are like, oh yeah, we've forgotten, we've forgiven all of your your transgressions and and faults and whatnot. And some yep. part of me is like, did, did we though? Well, Can I mean, we? they did it for Apocalypse. Sits on the freaking um, Council of Mutants or whatever. Xavier put him there or whatever. Be like, he has a place. He's the oldest living mutant on the planet Earth. He has a place right. on this council, despite the fact that he's tried to kill us all. How many times? Right, exactly. But Apocalypse so, is pretty well reserved too. He's like, you know, hatching his own scheme, but he's not gonna pull yeah. his bullshit. And I still find it so amazing that this is the era where, like, you know, especially if it's Chris Claremont is writing the issue, you always see that like soap opera single right there. tier. Stop right there, Leo. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That is just. I mean, I mean, I know. I, I, we were supposed to have a cosplayer on for this uh, for one of these episodes of Inferno. She unfortunately had to cancel, but 
she has a costume looks just like that and she has a spread where she's just lying on her bed wearing that same thing and the costume is furled out around her what a what wonderful uh, attention to detail let's go with that um but yeah it just this like seeing things like this it just really like x-men at that time were really very soap opera y yeah. like they were the soap opera of marvel like very few teams like i'm sorry the avengers didn't have the kind of drama and weird shit going on that the x-men did like god damn you're right and the only drama that was going on at this time because we've covered it before is um that i can really think of and i wasn't reading every single x-men uh, sorry every single marvel book happening at this time so i'm just going based on like what is happening lining up with other books but steve rogers right now is currently the captain and john walker <laughs> mr decapitation himself is running around as captain america so the only major drama happening probably was over in cap's book because spidey just got married no drama there anymore and cap <laughs> has to deal with political bs uh, orchestrated all along that is revealed to be by the red skull that's not a spoiler for whatever's happening on captain falcon winter soldier tv show we have no mm -hmm. idea that only been four episodes. Regardless, that's not yeah. what we're talking about here. But uh, you're right. X-Men had the ri most ridiculous drama. And by the way, the artwork throughout this entire thing by Mark Silvestri was, I mean, one of the big reasons why he went over to Image. <laughs> True story. I mean, and you don't want to know how much this stuff like costs for him to sign. I know I've met him. Um, but it's just, it's crazy, the scope of this whole series. But it also, to me, and I don't know, like, Leo, I don't know uh, how much experience you have with X-Men and whatnot, but this, to me, kind of felt like it was almost trying to to wrap up loose ends of the Phoenix story, especially like, oh, you know, she was created because a part of the Phoenix came back, and I rejected it, and, and I was just like, but there, but... For me, I was just like, but they're still kind of trying to wrap up or edit that story today. So it almost feels like this attempt to kind of neatly put it in a bow is kind of for naught. So, uh, so at, Phoenix, at this point, it's such a goddamn headache, especially because it's happening right now in the freaking Avengers. The current Avenger title is dealing with the Phoenix again. So, mm -hmm. so at this point, how long ago did Jean Grey die as the Phoenix? Or in supposedly comic book time or our time comic well <laughs> com yeah sure comic book time a year a year a year or a two. year they said like according okay i'm not even fucking joking according to the marvel trading cards that came out in 1990 so let me correct myself it says at the bottom of gene gray's trading card that an alien entity uh, uh, absurd her identity and took her over for a year so she was a phoenix for a year but between when she died in X-Men 139 and when she was found at the bottom of the river by the Avengers and Mr. Fantastic, um, it's going to be a couple of years at least in, in their time. In our time, it was like a decade. Well, I, they kept I, I'm, dead for a long time. I'm just trying to figure out the timeline. Like, how long did he wait after she died before he went after oh, Madeline? Like like a week. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> like, he ridiculous. left the X-Men in the famous issue where he leaves the X-Men and like you know um kitty pride joins officially and mm -hmm. it's like a couple there's like you know days of future past happens and then a few stories happen um yep. and then we get back to a solo cyclops story and he meets this uh pilot named madeline Pryor. Mm -hmm. and they take a plane they charter a plane and then they encounter some magnetic interference and mm -hmm. uh, that's a whole story <laughs> 
it, so, it, 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 he, he, like Leo, you'd think he is, but he's actually not joking. That's literally what happened. Yeah, they crash on, on an island owned by Magneto. He shuts off everyone's powers except his own, and Cyclops is able to walk around and see, and he's with Madeline Pryor. Magneto makes some comment, being like, mm, redheads, huh, Scott? <laughs> yeah, so Scott, so we want to, so the joke here is Scotty claims he didn't know, but apparently he might have actually known. Um, Sinister altered her DNA slightly so she didn't look exactly like Jean Grey, and that's the difference because the way she is drawn by John Byrne is not the same way he drew Jean Grey when she was killed off in issue 139. Right. She is drawn with a little bit more of a higher cheekbone, a little bit of an attitude, because she's always had a bit of an attitude. She stood up to Scott. She didn't put up with his bullshit. You know, she was a she was a pilot. She was a she was an independent woman. She was her own she was her own business. You know what I mean? She yeah, wasn't she, dainty she little things. So I, it's just you know, again, like just me personally, I enjoyed this story arc because again, it was one of the first, and admittedly, it's impressive at that time for being how dark it was. Um, but is this like personally? Is this my favorite of the X Men stories that I've read? Admittedly, no. But I'm glad I read it because now I kind of see a lot of the context. Now I under really understand Madeline Pryor. Um, you know, I really miss this team of X-Men because I think the lineup is great, even though the looks are, you know, very dated. Um, you know, but the, just the the whole battle between, the, I'm sorry, the whole battle between X-Factor and X-Men, which was clearly being orchestrated by by Madeline, you know, to me, like, it just felt like, uh, like, like, Chris, you just said, yeah, hey, another fight scene. Just some good old-fashioned violence. Like, it, that, to me, was more pointless than the fighting in Civil War II. After rereading this, I had no freaking idea. And I had not read this since I was a teenager when I bought this trade paperback. Just how mm. much freaking fighting is in this freaking book? It's just nonstop. I mean, you think Maximum Carnage was ridiculous, which it is, and we will get to it one day. Um, Wonderful. One day. I mean, they're currently covering it over on Zach's, uh, Zach and Kelly's uh, uh, channel that they, they, they do Spider podcast on. So it'll be mm -hmm. a couple of years before we get to it, but it'll be broken up pretty, <laughs> pretty well. Also, the death of Sinister right here is kind of ridiculous because Mr. Sinister has like this weird body that can reform itself. It's not like Wolverine's healing factor. It's just like, you know, he, he, he has experimented on himself so much. He is so far beyond human anymore. And, but that is such a cool image. I mean, look at that. That is just freaking dope. And Cyclops you know? is not afraid to kill. Well, it, it wasn't in the X-Men animated series. Didn't their version of, of Sinister, he could only somehow be hurt by, like, Scott's eye beams? Right. I seem to remember right. that. Yeah, but, well, they, they talked about it in here as well is, is, you know, why is Scott, you know, uh, frozen? You know, he, he has to be frozen for a reason. Oh, yes, because he can hurt him. And then, uh, you know, what was the whole thing with Sinister, like, being around when uh, uh, Scott was a baby? Like, All are... right, so long story short, no, he wasn't around when he was a baby. But Scott and Hobbit were thrown out of the plane by their father, Christopher uh, Christopher Summers, a.k.a. Corsair, leader of the Star Jammers. Um, and they were separated in the wilderness. Um, Scott went on to live in an orphanage. Hobbit went on to live with um, his grandparents. They thought Scott had died in the crash. 
uh, they, when they got separated. And uh, the orphanage was run by Mr. Sinister. Okay, I thought they mentioned something like he was like around when Scott was no. a baby. No, not when he was a baby. No, okay. no but I mean, when he was a kid. Unless that's a retcon currently, but no, Cyclops and Havoc had pretty normal upbringing up until uh, the, the uh, Shi'ar Empire invaded, you know, decided to UFO up mom and dad. And then uh, as it was recently revealed in Legacy, Deken, you know, took, was basically trying to capture a species from different planets to impregnate them. So he puts Corsair in chains, rapes his wife, kills her, and then, like, you know, wants to see the galaxy with his children. X-Men comics are just for, for your kids, kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go read, uh, go read the X-Men Legacy 1 and 2. They finally revealed the truth about the third Summers brother. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I, After this, I think I'm going to hold off for X-Men for a while. I never no, 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 no. Here's the thing. X-Men Legacy is a great book. For the secrets of the X-Men universe, they have never freaking finally revealed until now. The next one they're doing, uh, the team of X-Factor we see right here, Louise and Walter Simonson return to X-Men for the first time in years with X-Men Legacy yeah. 3 and 4. And they're going to answer a long, you know, unanswered question that was an X-Factor. I forget what it is, but it has something to do with Apocalypse's ship they used to live on. Yep. It's pretty, it's, it's not going to lie, it's pretty crazy. And yeah. again, like small things in the series, I really enjoyed. Like you know, the little arguments, the quips, Wolverine kissing Jean. I was like, <laughs> of course, we had to have that fan service there. And then, like for me, like the certain things of the of the fashion. Like why why is Iceman have the equivalent of a fanny pack? Oh, because like, his powers are out of control, and Beast developed that belt in order for him to control his powers. Um, someone said, that's the gayest-looking belt you've ever seen, and I said, well, you're not far from that, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, he looks like he's wearing a waist trainer. <laughs> like, you it know, shaping, <laughs> shaping the ice, you know? Um, Do you know that Iceman is an Omega-level mutant? Yes. Because he's the that. only mutant with that type of ability that makes him an Omega-level mutant. God, I hope he doesn't ever meet uh, someone like Icicle from DC, or else he's going to have to forfeit the franchise. But they keep trying like to make Iceman like a character with his own book. It just keeps every comic book store I've asked about Iceman in his book. They're like, nobody buys this, and we have gay customers that don't even want to buy this. <laughs> wow, but I, you know, but my thing being is, let's just realize something here, guys, is that is that for every character who's a, who's a solo X-Men, for every Gambit, um, Bishop, even Deadpool, you know, all of them, you know, they like there's there's going to be a few series that just don't work. Right. You know? Right. And, and, um, and, that, and that's about how that the character itself, how they're written, and also what the 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 market, you know, the, the audience looks like you know right i mean god this was at a time um where what what we're in the 1988 1989 i mean this is at a time that dc comics could put out four fucking superman books that's how good the market was this time right and i they, mean and they'd all make that's money. shocking yeah. yeah they would they yeah that i think this is I think John Byrne would have just left, but this is when the craziness. This is when Mike Carlin took over as editor of Superman. Superman was was really getting good, leading up to the uh, mm -hmm. the decision mm -hmm. to kill him off because of a TV show happening. Right, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but wasn't there even a time when there were four different Spider-Man titles all Five. at once? And yeah, there you go. Five. Five. 
and they and now, all did pretty well. Technically, technically, is there five if you count Venom, Miles Morales, Ghost Spider, and Silk, who all have titles, plus Peter has two titles, Amazing and Nonstop. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Nonstop. So, I mean, yes, I understand Miles is his own character, but that's still a Spider-Man fucking title. There would be no Miles Morales without Peter. There'd be no Silk without Peter. There'd be no Venom. And I don't even know if the Ghost Spider even book is even going on anymore. But um, And now mm-hmm. we're going to do another giant symbiote miniseries uh, crossover event coming up with the Carnage and, and Anti-Venom and Scream, Toxin. But, yeah. They so, j- I, yeah. Didn't they just – King Black's still going on, right? Nope, it ended. Yes, yeah. ended. And it ended with oh. the Flash Thompson's fist bursting up through his grave, being like, look, I'm back. I've only been dead oh, for God. a years. Spoilers, <laughs> I'm still reading it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, seriously, for anyone listening, if you didn't know Flash Thompson wasn't going to fucking return, then... <laughs> Yeah. So, so oh, back to what I was saying with this. Overall, yeah. you know, I'm glad that Inferno uh, happened because it did leave a lot of good things that became kind of crucial to the X-Men. I mean, you oh. know, but for me, I was just like, wow, this kid became Cable. No wonder his life was just <laughs> screwed. Like, this is your one of your earliest memories. You almost, you almost get sacrificed by your mom and her demon buddies in an SM costume while all of your supposed aunts and uncles like fought over you. I was like, yeah, that, that I was like, yeah. there's not enough therapy in any century that can cover this. He even gets used as a shield at one point, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, and in that what if story, Cable does get sacrificed and like Wolverine becomes like the licking boy of like the goblin queen and is like fed babies to eat. Oh my God. God. Yeah. Damn. You see Wolverine like chowing down on a baby. He's like licking his arm off or whatever. Yeah. Inferno. Oh, okay. What if Inferno was pretty effed up? It's only one up by what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno? So they I've, continue the Wolverine vampire story as if the Montessa formula is never read aloud by the Doctor Strange possessed Punisher and the events continue on into Inferno. And we get to see vampire Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor, and all of their tight-fitting bondage gear, but vampire-ish. <laughs> uh, and, it's, like the, it's good it's, stuff. It's, it's, Especially if you're a big fan of the upcoming Loki TV series, I highly recommend re- reading those issues because they're going to tie into Loki. Oh, boy. I, it's just like, uh, it's like going to the after party for that blood rave and blade. Right. So. Leo, it's like eight forty-five. We should. Uh... Yep, yep, yep. Totally. Uh, okay, so uh, Drew, uh, what would you rate this out of five? You know, uh, you know, because of everything, I think I'm just going to give it a, a solid four. Um, because again, I was still entertained, um, but again, you know, it could have been a little better. So I'm going to go with a four. Okay, four crowbars. Uh, Chris, you going to rate this? No, <laughs> it's not my thing. Sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Well, it's what we do here. So uh, he's, he is he is objectively abstaining, sir. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm gonna give it uh, 3.5 crowbars. Um, you know, I I, I enjoyed the story, um, but I don't know. It, this really put me off from X Men. I was never really a big X Men reader to begin with, but there's just so much infighting between the groups. It's just it's ridiculous. I know there's you, other stories. Yeah, I know you got to have fighty fighty. And, you know, definitely, you know, uh, Drew, maybe you can turn me on to another X-Men story when it's time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, 3.5 for me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so this concludes four splash pages, Inferno. And uh, next week we're going to be covering something either DC or indie. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pick one out and let you guys know. And there you have it. We have completed Inferno, the massive storyline. And uh, we need to hold off on big storylines like this. This was a difficult one. <laughs> uh, but next week, we're going to be covering the trade paperback of Longshot, a uh, six-issue series that ran in 1985. And uh, Longshot is a character which, uh, you know, he, he's extremely lucky. And this was a good read. Uh, Drew definitely uh, recommended an awesome one. But uh, you know what? Make sure you join our comic book club over on on Facebook where each week we're talking about comics and uh, you can join the discussion show us any big pickups that you've got uh, you know it's a lot of fun and uh, you know a lot of like-minded individuals but you know as always have an awesome day we'll catch you later